All right, welcome back to another episode of the Carter Cast. I'm your host, Carter Bond. Today, we finally have interviews back. Our man, big man on campus, Jeff Nadu, is back on the show. He talks about his time fighting in rough and rowdy, and we get into a ton of college basketball. We talk about the teams he does like, long shots to win the title, teams he doesn't like, teams that don't have that it factor. We talk a little Sixers and Philly sports as well, and it's a fantastic podcast. I hope y'all enjoy. But before we get into our NBA and college basketball recap show, we are brought to you by Pod Talk. Pod Talk is the best way to listen to podcasts. It has the best interface compared to every other podcast listening app out there. I use Pod Talk myself. Go download it in the App Store today. You can listen to group discussions on your favorite podcast like this one. Go join the CarterCast group discussion on Pod Talk right now. Download Pod Talk in the App Store today. Now our college basketball and NBA recap show. All right, we're back. We finally have an interview again. It's the big man on campus. It's Jeff Nadu. Jeff, it's it's been a while, man. Last time we talked, I was 60 pounds heavier. You did Rough and Rowdy. You're killing it on Patreon, your Mafia podcast. How you been? Yeah, you look a lot skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get a lot to lose the weight, man. Dude, you told me. We talked after that podcast. You're like, duh, intermittent fasting. Why, you listened? Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. no, I, intermittent so fasting. Great. And then also had to had to stop eating cookout, Bojangles, <laughs> McDonald's. You know, I, wow. I mean, we're here, though. I mean, we're 60 pounds down, got yeah, 20 to go. You, man. That's really rewarding that you uh, you listened to me. That's great. Yeah. Good for you. you look really good. Good for you. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's, uh, that's great. But, uh, yeah, like. It's uh, how like talk about your rough and rowdy experience. I mean, I'm sure you've had to do it a million times, but like, yeah, yeah we gotta I, hear. Honestly, I, I haven't really been through it. I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, I had a little bit of like you know talk with people, but no, to be honest, like looking back on it, I mean, it was a great experience for me. I mean, it's something I always remember. I ultimately wasn't happy with how I fought. You know, I don't think it was a good representation of what I trained for. I had a great trainer. I had someone that really taught me a lot and. You know, it was just so tough. Like, people don't understand. Um, I remember they told me before the fight, like, once you get in that ring, like, when you get in the building, it's going to be all the stuff you learned. You're just going to – the adrenaline's going to be crazy. And that's exactly how it was. You know, it's mm. it's just really trying to, like, stay upwards and not getting knocked out. And before you know it, the round's over. But, you know, I look back on watching the fight over. I, I felt like the last 20 seconds of the first round were really problematic for me. I think if – without that – I think with a better last 10, 20 seconds of that first round, I'd have won the first round. I think he won the second, and then I thought I won the third. So I thought it was a pretty even fight, to be fair. Um, I think we could both look back and be happy neither of us got hurt or anything. Um, I will say this. If it, were a, um, if it were a gauge of, like, who looked like what after the fight, I thought I was in much better condition. Um, I wish it were another round or two. Um, if I ever fought again, I would push that it was five rounds. Um, I, I felt like one of the problems that I have guys is like, I put too much into cardio and I didn't put enough into like actual, like combat as opposed yeah. to like, I just, I was so worried about the cardio and it, it was more just about looking better, but it was a great experience. I made a lot of money. I made a lot of, got a lot of promotion for myself out of it. And, um, I thought I came out actually looking pretty okay. And, and you know, people were cool about it. So. So I wanted to ask, what was your initial reaction like when you were presented with that idea to do rough and rowdy? Were you immediately sold or did you have to be like convinced? No, a no, bit? I was, um, 
I, I guess for me, like, it was a lot tougher for me with it because I've said it throughout this fight. Like, I don't hate Jerry. I, I mm. um, I kind of, there were certain things about Jerry, like, I didn't like, but, you know, ultimately don't hate him, you know, and it's, for me, I've always wanted one person at that company and that individual doesn't want to fight. So, yeah, but for me, it was tough. But then, you know, we were able to get to a, a point where we agreed on the money. It was definitely real. And I kind of thought to myself, you know what? This is a great idea. Um, this is kind of like, for me, the end of all the weight loss and, and, and what I've done. And I feel like it was a challenge. And it's just something that I, I feel like I'll always remember. And I will. I made friends there. I met a lot of great people. Um, it's quite an event to be at, let alone be involved. Um, and I wish there were things I'd have done different. And if I ever get the opportunity, I'll, I'll make up for them. But my initial reaction was, I didn't know if it was legitimate. You know, I didn't know if the individual was serious about it, but you know, he ended up being serious. And look, I thought we ultimately made a lot of great content out of it, guys. I mean, we had the, yeah. the, 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 um, the pitch thing, the, the dunk tank and, you know, all the leading up to it. I, I thought it was, and it did really well. I mean, I think it was like 70,000 buys or something. So, um, mm. you know, monetarily it did super well. So. When, all right, we got to talk about this because that little cheap shot by Rico before the fight, did that have any effect on you? Did that make you more pissed off going into the fight? Well, you know, it's interesting. I don't think a lot of people know this, but I, the day that happened, the, the day the fight happened, I spent a lot of time just by myself. I didn't really interact with anybody. And I spent the whole afternoon just watching TV in my, my, my hotel room. And I had someone that I knew that was a friend of mine that was in the same hotel. He calls me at about three o'clock and says, yo, Rico Bosco's here. I said, what do you mean he's here? He said, I just saw him outside. We had a conversation. He's here. And I said, oh, okay. Nobody knew. I was the only one that knew. Yeah. So I threw it out there. So I knew he'd be there. And for me, like, I always thought that was a bad idea because that's only going to get me annoyed. But as far as like the interaction we had, I was more surprised if anything, I didn't think he had that in him to do that. You know, he's yeah. always ran for me. So the fact that he was coaxed into actually confronting me, that was not forced on my part. I had no idea. Yeah. What happened. Um, you know, and he kind of pushed me and I, I just kind of laughed and it was just so shocking that he had, cause again, this has been like five years. I've never interacted with this dude. So for me, it was more a surprise of anything. And I kind of was just shocked that he actually did it, but yeah, it was, a, uh, it was fun, man. I, I, it was all really well done too. Cause like the hotel was like right by the arena and it, it was just, it was cool. You know, I, I just wish I would have been better. And I think looking back, if I'd have won, it would have been, it would have been highly effective for me to have won just because of kind of the, the, the material that we could have gotten out yeah. of. Look, it, it worked for me and, and, and I'm back record my doing a regular life again. The last thing I wanted to ask about this is, did you see all like the video of Rico in the high noon and everything? High noon. Uh, he threw the high noon at the guy and got suspended for a oh, month. Oh, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. I just want to see you. I just want to ask well, you. Would he ever do that around that. me? No, he wouldn't. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. You think no, like that's I, something? Let me say this, and I have no problem admitting this. I said okay. this, I think I said it on Twitter. I give the kid, uh, Connor, Big Tennessee, I give him a lot of credit. Because if that were me, listen, I think a lot of people confuse being able to fight with being a crazy motherfucker. Right. Yeah. 
some people, you know, I don't spend my whole day fighting. Okay. I'm not, I'm 32 years old. You know, I don't fight people, but I'll tell you this, and this is the real shit you'll ever hear. If my life was ever affected, I'll kill a motherfucker. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that simple. I believe you. Okay. And if that happened to me, I, w- I would have went, like, I'd have been fired hundred percent. Cause I would have, yeah. I would have taken what was ever in my hand and stabbed him in the fucking head. That's I feel like it's, it's hard to keep your composure in a situation yeah, like and, that. And listen, like the kid was, I mean, that was, I respect him a lot for doing that because, mm-hmm. you know, there's just certain things that whether you like or not like somebody, there's just certain things that you don't do, i.e. bringing somebody's family into something or, or throwing a full can of something at somebody's head. I mean, that could have connected in the right spot and I could have killed that kid. You know, you never know. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I give the kid a lot of credit for not doing anything, but I've learned a lot about him over the years, Rico, that he's all bark, no bite. I mean, he's a lot of talk until somebody shows up. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I would have, what I, what would I have done? I, I wouldn't work there anymore. I'd have been fired and I probably Fair. would have been sent to prison that night. Cause I, <laughs> I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been as, as nice about it. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. You know, All right, and that's anybody's reaction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's talk some college basketball. I mean, it's it's been so much better than it was last year because we actually have fans back in most arenas, unlike right. like Northwestern and UCLA had that weird stretch. But okay, who's your favorite? Obviously, Vegas has Gonzaga as the odds on favorite. Do you think they should be the favorite going into the tournament? Or do you have a team you like more? Well, I mean, look, they were the preseason number one. Um, I mean, when we're looking at offensive metrics, when we look at the way they're playing right now, now obviously, look, we're talking about this end of January. There's a lot to shake out, really, until the end of the season. However, I mean, it's likely that they go into the tournament with no more losses. Now, I guess that could change. I mean, a road trip at Brigham Young, uh, as you guys know, in in a week or so, you know, that's probably the only loss to me. They have some tough games, though. I mean, San Francisco in San Francisco is tough. St. Mary's in St. Mary's. Let's just say they lose one game. They're still a one seed. Um, yeah. they, are they the number one overall seed? Are they my favorite to win? I have a way of looking at things different than a lot of college basketball people. I look at it kind of like someone that played the game would look at it. Wally Zerbiak, for instance, I've heard through the grapevine that Wally Zerbiak is one of these people that will say every year, there are just certain teams to me that can win the title and there are certain teams that can't. So like some people on paper would say Auburn can win the title. They're the number one team in the country, but I don't know if Auburn has the it factor to actually win. Right. Does Gonzaga have that a hundred percent? The problem that I have in picking them, do I think they're very good? Yes. Do I think offensively they're the best I've seen in some time? Yeah. Quite honestly, especially if they keep shooting the ball the way they are. I mean, over the last five games, they have been, historically unbelievable, frankly. You look at in conference, guys. I mean, on Ken Palm, he has the offensive efficiency metric. The highest I've ever seen was 127.1, which was Villanova in 2018. I mean, Gonzaga in conference is almost at 128. They've actually been almost perfect offensively from a metric standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, are, are they my favorite I guess, but I think there's a lot of really good basketball teams out there, you know, and I can get into a couple of those, but yeah, I Hmm. think they have to be the favorite. Sure. One team I wanted to ask you about is Purdue because early in the year they waxed Carolina. I'm a huge Carolina fan. I go to school here, but they waxed Carolina and they just seem so deep and all the talent on their team. 
I thought they were the odds on favorite to win the title like a month or two ago, but they've collapsed in a couple of games so far. So I was wondering your opinion on them. Well, it's interesting because we're doing a show on uh, Thursday the 27th, actually about the play at Iowa, which I think is a really tough, tough game for them. But, you know, produce a team that I'm not real worried about. I think, you know, and I'm one that think up talk about the it factor as well. I have that old thought as well. I do think they have what it takes. I mean, I think yeah. they're really deep. I think defensively they'll get to where they need to be. And offensively they're so good where it doesn't actually matter that much. They have, I think, one of the better bigs in the country and in, in Edie. Um, he's just so dominant. I mean, you can't really guard someone like that. And Ivy, I think you can make the case one of the better guards you'll, you'll find in the country. So yeah, do I think they have what it takes? Yeah, I, I had them before the season. I have a future on them. Um, you know, can, and the two teams I'm talking about in Gonzaga and Purdue – their coaches have notoriously had problems with not getting over the hump and actually winning. That's, but that's not to say that won't change. I mean, Scott drew had the uh, inability to win until last year when he won. So the, the biggest thing for a streak, let's say a bad streak is breaking that streak. Um, I think Purdue's still really good. I think if there's a, an offense to really counter Gonzaga's it, it's Purdue's um, I think they're really, really good. What, what they need have happen is Trevion Williams needs to wake the hell up. I mean, he has not been good. He wasn't good towards the end of last season. He comes across a bit lazy to me. I don't know if his heart's head's really in it. He needs to wake up uh, because if they can get a healthy, good hit um, Williams, you can relate him to like a Caleb Swanigan or they had a couple of years ago. They need that kind of Williams. If they can get him, sky's the limit. All right. You mentioned that it factor. I think that's a huge huge point too because there's certain teams just like I yeah they're ranked three in the country but I just don't see them making that hump yeah I feel like you feel do you think Duke has a real shot to make the title or win the title this year no you think they have that it factor no I I think they have one really good player and they have a bunch of guys around them and to quite to be quite honest they're not exactly LSU when Ben Simmons was there but they're kind of similar I don't think they have anyone that I'm really interested in outside of Benchero I think he's terrific and he'll be, I think the number two overall pick, but I don't know. They don't have that it factor to me. I, I, I think for, for whatever reason, they just, I think they thought that they surrounded him with some real talent and they have the occasional piece, you know, I like Keels and some of their other pieces, but no, they don't have the it factor to me. There's a couple of teams that don't. Um, Arizona is another one. Mm-hmm. 100% you know, are they good? Yeah. They come across a bit gimmicky though. And, the truth is their guard play is not good enough. I mean, Kirk Kreese is a nice player, probably a nice kid, but he's not good enough. I mean, he was horrific the other night against UCLA. You know, and on the, the other side, UCLA, I think, does have the factor that we just haven't seen yet. You know, they're – I think they're a really deeper team, like maybe that's not necessarily a top five, six team mm-hmm. that I like. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think Duke has what it takes, no. And, and I'm sure, you know, that's not that's either going to make someone annoyed or or happy because – Well, including myself, it. I'm annoyed with that. But I do understand that because with these Duke teams that are freshman-based, it never seems like they can get over that hump and even make the Final Four besides that one year they made it in 2015. Right. And when we look back at that team, which, interestingly enough, they beat – Wisconsin that year or it was around that time mm-hmm. um yeah 2015 they beat Wisconsin yeah. it was that Frank Kaminsky team. Kaminsky Sam Decker yeah I mean yeah. Quinn Cook played a huge role in that team and you can say Duke has that veteran leader in Wendell Moore but I don't see that in Wendell Moore 
Right. And remember, they had Jalil Okafor. They had Tyus Jones. They had Justice Winslow. They had Grayson Allen. I mean, all those guys are NBA NBA players, right? Yeah. And some are really good. You know, Justice Winslow is a great player. Grayson Allen, you know, minus like tripping people and stuff. He's a good player. Listen, by the way, yep. we talk about people that have the ability to kill somebody on a whim. <sighs> he does. He's a lunatic in his head. You saw that Caruso say, clip. Right? I will say this: I have met Grayson Allen. I have I have been with Grayson Allen probably six or seven times in my life. I, I've had nothing but good interactions with Grayson Allen. Fair enough, and that's fine. Most really evil people are super nice. <laughs> I study the mafia. It's kind of my second love. Yeah. He has the ability. He's a psycho. That kid, I can tell. So, so what's your opinion on the the Caruso clip where he fractured his wrist? You thought that was pretty dirty, right? No. I mean, to be fair, like he was going for the ball. Here, here's what I'll say about that play. He wound up. Here's what I'll say about it. In when I was a kid, let's say early 2000s, that's just another play. You know, like the NBA, the way it used to be, is the way it used to be. It's not like yeah. that anymore. You take a shot at somebody, you're getting a flagrant two and you're getting kicked out of the game. Back in the day, like Charles Oakley used to do that all the time. So like I feel like it, it got amped up a little bit because uh, Caruso did fracture his wrist and then everybody and like, freaked Grayson out more. Allen, who's a known offender. Yeah, right? exactly. Know, if that were you know Duncan Robinson, probably would have been as big a deal. And the kid, as you said, hurt himself. So yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as Duke, um, you either love him or you hate him. And I think to me, you know, that 2015 team, as as you alluded to, Carter, is is, is that's the last really good Duke team. I guess you had that. Well, that Zion. one team. That's yeah, Coach. That, K, that's one of Coach K's worst, worst things on his resume is not taking that team to the Final Four. Right, and they had that really good team with Bagley and Trent, and mm-hmm. um, you know the couple. There's obviously that Zion Williams and D, but none of those teams made like deep runs. I mean, outside, I guess you could call the Elite Eight a deep run. They lose to Kansas, that Bagley team, but you know, ultimately, this is not one of those teams. I mean, though, all three of those teams were better than this team. Are they last year's team? No, that team is. That was probably one of K's worst teams. Um, yeah. This year's team's better. Do I think I have what it takes? No. Do you do you secretly think though the rep there's going to be some nice calls in the tournament to get K to the Final Four in his last year? Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> rot him off into the sunset. Yeah, and and listen, I think the one saving grace is if that were to happen. Um, luckily, regardless, he's gone. He ain't gonna win, and he's gone. So that's good. But. Do I think that he'll get some calls? Sure. I mean, LeBron James gets calls. Tom Brady gets calls that, you know, Patrick Mahomes ain't going to get. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure they will. But the good thing is, most of the time, the kids decide the game. But, you know. Mm -hmm. We'll find out. We'll find out. Well, like I mentioned before, I'm a huge Carolina fan. I don't know how much you follow the Tar Heels this year. They suck. Crazy team, my friend. Okay. So, what do you – give me your opinion on Carolina. I'll be broad first. Give me your opinion on Carolina basketball this year. Well, they look like the same team they are every year. I think they're kind of uh, – look, I love the front court. I thought it had the potential to be really good. You know, Baycott and, and Manic and, and Galson Garcia, and, and I think they are. You know, the point guard play has been okay. You know, turnovers are a problem the last couple of years. They're not anymore. But it's really the same song and dance with them. They can't defend, you yep. know. Can't guard a three. Right, and that's an issue. I mean, you have to – with as long as they are, I mean, you're one of the top 25 longest teams in the country. You've got to get out and close out on shooters better. Yeah. 
Um, I will say this is an this is a fascinating team, Carolina, because you know, weirdly enough, I think they have an it factor. They have a lot of good things, like a lot. Yeah. And again, like defense, it's not terrible. It needs to be better though, and they have a lot to shake out still. But if you ask me right now, who's the second best team in the ACC? I'm still saying it's Florida State, but I'm going to say third is Carolina. I'm not going to say gimmicky Miami is better than Carolina. What about Wake? Nah. Listen, I think Wake's another year away. I will say Steve Forbes, though, he was a great coach at East uh, Tennessee, East Tennessee State, and what a hire he was in in that area. I mean, and and remember, Wake hasn't been good since Chris Paul. Uh, yeah, they, they had those uh, that 09 team with Jeff T with it ish Smith okay, yeah, that year they were pretty good but but again like to the level of like high mm-hmm. level basketball like like national Chris recognition Paul, yeah him dunk it's been a long time since they've been regularly consistent and I think Steve Ford yeah. makes them and that's not to say I'm not that impressed by it because the ACC sucks <laughs> it I mean, does either. it's not a good conference um, when Virginia could be your fourth or fifth best team I mean Louisville's a complete mess. Um, you know, NC State struggled. Pitt's not, no longer in the thought process Ugh. anymore. Syracuse is more down. So, yeah, I, I like Carolina. You know, the goal is obviously they're an NCAA tournament team, at least. I mean, but let me ask you. Okay. Are they a lock to be an NCAA tournament team? No. And no. I will tell you that as a diehard Carolina fan, no way. No way in hell they're a lock. And that's the issue for them. And look at Michigan as well. Michigan could not make the tournament. That's that's our that's our best win, and they're probably not going to make the tournament. Right, which which is which hurts. I mean, when your second best win is you know Furman, I mean <laughs> that's problematic, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's fair. They, they have a lot to still do. I I don't think we could just assume they're a tournament team. I think they're going to have to take. I mean, there's not a ton of, and that's the problem in that conference. The quad yeah. one wins are not there. You have Duke. We're gonna have to beat Duke at least once, maybe oh, twice. To no, get you're gonna have to. And that'll happen. Again, you can't lose to Pitt or Clemson or, or Louisville. You just can't. They need to beat Duke and Florida State. They play them three times total. Yeah. I think you need two. I really I agree. I agree. You know, so we'll and see. And Carter, Carter and I were talking earlier on one of other shows about how Carolina is a team, like they go as far as Caleb Love goes, like you mentioned, that point guard play. And he's just like he's been a lot better this year than last year, but he's a little inconsistent. It seems like, especially with the shooting percentages. Yeah, and I think the thought coming out of high school is he was this top, five, you know, top prospect. He was going to be the next Cole Anthony, you know, or, or a similar type of player. I mean, they've had so many good guards over the years. I will say, I mean, you know, his turnover rates went down significantly, which is good. Um, you know, his percentage of shots though went down. He's not been as yeah. big a focal point. You know, his assist rate has, you know, been kind of similar. I don't know. He's not done anything. I mean, he's been good enough. You yeah. put him on Michigan, Michigan is significantly better. So it's like, I think they have to be happy to have him because their, their poker play hasn't been great the last couple yep. of years. So, um, yeah, I, I'm okay with him. They just need to defend better. I agree. I will say this, Connor. Do you, like, lose your mind watching Armando Baycott play him missing the easiest shots I've ever seen? Okay, so I have a theory on that because he was shooting over 60% 60 from the field, ACC ACC Player of the Year candidate. And then the last few games, he's really – he was like two for his last 25 or something like that. He fell on his tailbone at Wake. And like eight for his last 29, which – Yeah. You're you're on far off. That's that's 
bad. I mean, he was he fell on his tailbone. Right. And I think he's that really for, affected him. And he's one for 10 against BC. Keep in mind that he won the game by 11, so it worked out. Um, but it was BC. Listen, there's too many issues with some of these bigs in America where we fall in love. They fall in love with jump shots. Okay. Joel Embiid in this, Philadelphia had a problem for years with this. He would mm. not get on the block. And it's like, stop roving the three point line and being trying to be the next, you know, Ryan Anderson. Like, get on the yeah. block and be the big we know you are. You know, and, he's doing that. He's doing that now. Well, yeah. And exactly. And he's an MVP candidate. Yeah. You look at Baycott. I mentioned Trevion Williams. Some of these guys make it impossible around the rim. Grab the basketball and dunk it with two hands. Okay. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to lay it up and, and, and shoot, you know, you're not Serge Ibaka making corner, you know, jump shots. Yeah. Like that's not what these guys are. So yeah, some of these guys can be maddening. I get it. Um, but you just hope that the, the athleticism will, will play out. And I wouldn't worry about Baker. I'm still shooting near 60%. I mean, that's, yeah. I know you don't want to hear this. I mean, that's top 300 in America. And keep in mind, there are over 5,000 NBA or NCAA basketball players. So it's still good. But yeah. he should be in the mid-60s as opposed to 58%. I agree. Jeff, uh, you've mentioned this on Twitter a million times. This is super random. Is IUPUI the worst offense you've ever watched in college basketball history? Yeah, and I actually have to do some compiling of, of – kind of ranking the worst offenses ever. Look, I think you have the, the, <laughs> the potential to not only have the worst offense, I think you could have the two worst that I've ever seen. I mean, IUPY is – and I'm, I'm, I mean this in the utmost seriousness. If, if you gave me a week, I think I could compile in Philadelphia five players that would would, would beat them. Like, have, you, yeah. have you seen them play, Connor? No, I have not. Yeah, well – I'll tell you, I mean, you're, you're, you're not missing much, put it that yeah. way. Um, they haven't gotten to, you know, to 60 in, in, in any, I think one game this season. I mean, that's, that's, that's horrible. crazy. And 40 minutes of basketball. Right. And their only win is against Spalding, which. <laughs> is that is that even a real school? <laughs> no, they just played a basketball. Yeah. Did they just have a layup line? They still only scored 61 points in that game. Yeah, they are the worst. I think Eastern Illinois is right there, though. I mean, th- these are really bad offensive teams. And, you know, you feel bad because, you know, you want to think that they're trying. And, and look, you know the crazy thing about all the kids on this team? Someday they'll be able to tell their grandkids, I was a Division One basketball player. Yeah. So you have that going for you. Yep. It's crazy to think about this team. These kids here are better than probably eight you know, 95% of people out there. Yeah. Just how good college basketball players are, but yeah. Um, are they the worst offense I've seen? Uh, yeah. They are. <laughs> so bad. But I mean, I texted you, we had to talk about this. Uh, how do you feel about BYU this year? Obviously they lost their big men with Baxter and Richard Harwood to that um, heart condition. I'm, I don't see them making a second weekend run, but what do you think? Yeah, I think Baxter, that was a tough one. I mean, he's a tough player, tough kid, you know, kind of a four-year guy, kind of the dirty work kind of kid and give you mm-hmm. 10 points a game if you need it. Um, that's definitely, you know, for Harvard, it sucks as well. Um, what do I think about BYU? Well, look, the good thing for BYU is they don't have to play Gonzaga likely for, you know, at all probably in the NCAA tournament unless they get mm-hmm. to the NCAA tournament final. But I like BYU personally. 
I think they're a lot better than let's say last year's team. Last year's team was able, you know, they obviously lost in the, the Brandon Averett's gone. Yeah. And, and again, I hated him. Like <laughs> he was a really annoying, maddening player. Like he played way too fast. He dribbled way too hard. Just, and Tijon Lucas is a major upgrade. Mm-hmm. Tijon Lucas over Averett is a big move. Um, I think Barcelo is, is a long line of great player there. You know, Jimmer for that. Tyler Halls, Kyle Collingsworth, you know, all these kids over the years. We have to look at the WCC as a whole and talk about how many good players they put out over the years. It's, you People knock this conference, but it has put out some incredible players over the years. They're a four do a whole show on year. WCC basketball. It's that simple. Yeah, they're, they're a four-bid league this year. Oh, 100%. Um, and I, I'll tell you another thing. Uh, Traore, man. He's good. You, know, you lose Baxter, but Terry might be, I mean, he's might be a, I mean, I know he's a better player. Kind of energy. I he's like just them. six, six. Yeah. You know, that's the issue. They're not a huge team. Uh, it, it sucks that they lost. Know, a lot of your guys are like six, six, you don't mm-hmm. go much bigger. What do you do against an Edie? If you play Purdue? I mean, we saw it against Gonzaga. Drew Timmy right. went 14 to 15 from the field. So that's the issue. I, I think it's all going to be about draw for Brigham Young. Um, you know, they're in the tournament. I, I think it's really a question of, you know, what's the draw look like? You know, mm-hmm. if you can avoid like a Purdue or, or a team that's just gigantic, I, I think you can win a game or two. I hope they get yeah. the right draw. But we've seen time at like St. Bonaventure last year got a terrible draw. They got LSU first game. That's mm-hmm. terrible. Athleticism is just hard. But, um, Look, I say it's one of the best home court advantages in the country, Marriott Center. Um, I like Mark Pope a lot. It's all going to be about matchup for them, though. Yeah, I was going to mention that, too. One of the biggest things in college basketball at the end of, end of the day is how good is your coach? That determines so much of it. And I think Mark Pope's well, probably the most – I think he's the most underrated coach in the country. I think it's one of the only things that dictates whether your program will be good or not. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, for me – you could just rattle off five teams right now and I'll tell you, are they a good program or not? Because I can look at their coach and be like, oh, no, you know? Yeah. It's not going to work. So, like, you're right. Mark Pope is a great coach. I think he's a really good mid, mid-major mid guy. I think the concern is some big school comes and takes him. And, you know, if, oh, I, were was. if I were Louisville, I would look very into, into him. I mean – He's a Kentucky guy, though. I thought Carolina was going to swoop in and get him. Yeah, my money talks. I know. I'd have fought Mike Tyson for the money I got. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's like if you could double somebody's salary. But, again, um, one thing I like about him as well, he cares about spreads. Okay? He's never come out and said it, but <laughs> he'll say we want to win analytically. You know, it's like, well, okay, you want to cover and win by as many as you can. So Sataki yeah. used to do that when BYU football is no longer a spread-covering team. Well, they were really good last year with the Zach uh, Wilson. Yeah, I know. They were like 9-1 and one against the spread in that weird season. Uh, By the Col- way, uh, co- real quick, according to Lenardi, last bracketology, he has Carolina in as the one of the last four teams. So. I saw that, and that scares me. We actually had him on the show uh, a couple months ago. Did you really? Yeah, he was, he was a cool guy to talk to. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a quirky individual. He's ex- yeah, he's exactly what you think he is because yep. he's just, you know, John Clayton living in his mom's basement kind of guy. <laughs> he uh, was a professor at St. Joe's for a long time. Yeah, he's, he's a Philly guy. Um, I was going to say this, though. 
SEC basketball has, t- I think it's taken over as one of the most fun basketball conferences to watch. It's stomped I mean, on the ACC. I mean, stomped on the ACC. When you watch those home court advantages, like LSU and Auburn almost have a better home court advantage than Duke does and Carolina does at Cameron or the Dean down. Uh, and throwing Kentucky and throwing some of the other. Yeah, I mean, I think you made the case Auburn has the best home court advantage in the country. 100% right. Uh, yeah, it's a great league. You know, and you see even some of the bottom tier teams, Mississippi State, not, not that they're a bottom tier, uh, mm-hmm. Missouri. I mean, Missouri's hung around against so, a couple of you. Auburn beat last Alabama. night. Yeah, right, right. Almost should have. Listen, if their coach wasn't a complete imbecile and fouled, they could have maybe won. But yeah, I, I really like this conference. I, you know, we haven't talked much about Arkansas. I mean, they're still hanging around. Um, yeah. Obviously, Kentucky, I think, is the most talented team. LSU's been having to move through without Pinson and Days. I think when they come back, I think you make a case they're the best team in the a, you know, SEC outside of. Uh, Arkansas or Auburn in, in Kentucky. So, yeah, it's a great conference. It is, has kind of taken the mantle away from the, the ACC. Would you take LSU 45 to 1 to win the title right now? Oh, 100%. That's way too high. Yeah. I have a, a little sprinkle. Of, a little sprinkle. Oh, yeah. I'd do more than a sprinkle. I, I'd put a unit <laughs> on that for sure. I have okay. LSU. Um, I don't have that quite a price, and I might go back in on it. I think there are a couple of teams and that's when I bet futures, that's kind of the range that I'm, that I'm looking for. You know, I don't want, I don't want 10 to one, you know, I want to get something back when they win. Right. So mm-hmm. right now I'm looking at, you know, but I'm also asking myself at 10 to one, is that too high for a team? Right. So like, like Gonzaga, I think you can make the case like seven to one's a pretty good price on that. That's what I was going to say, but eight to one on Duke is way, way too low. You're saying it should be higher. Like it should be. It should be like. It should be close, to like eighteen to one, fifteen right. to one. So area. What, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's another one with like, um, like Baylor. I I don't know. I don't think Baylor. And, I like Baylor, but I it's hard to repeat a ten to one. I'd put more at like twenty. So I'm also looking and saying, okay, is that too high? So like Fanduel has LSU at fifty to one. That's too high. Another yeah. team I like. I mean, I think anything above 30 to one on Texas Tech is too high. I think Texas Tech has what it takes. That that performance the other night against Kansas, they've continuously oh, yeah. showed they've already beaten Kansas once, should have beat them twice. They've already beaten Baylor. Okay, they've that team has a lot. They are huge. They're good defensively. They've got a couple different kids that can score and give you something every night. That's a really good team. Good guard play. I like Texas Tech. I think they're a team that, uh, you know, when it's all said and done at that like 20 to 30 to range, maybe even higher, I think they're worth the look as well. While we're on the topic of this, I want to ask you, is there a team or two, or maybe you have a list, I don't know, of college basketball teams that you like refuse to bet on because they've screwed you in the past? No, or if they just... I don't do that. Okay. Okay. You know, I guess it would have to be like, actually, you know what? It's funny you ask that. There might be one. Okay. And it was be, it would be Baylor. I, I've never had over the last year or two. I I can't think of a time that I've had success with them. You know, really? Yeah, I, it's when I bet on them, they can't you know, they can't pull away. When I bet on against them, they don't miss. That's, that's so frustrating. Yeah, I remember there was a game earlier this year. They, it was one of their first games. Played like I don't know Northwestern State or somebody, mm-hmm. and 
they just they were like losing with 10 minutes to go in the first <laughs> half and i'm like i had a first half i'm just thinking like if i wouldn't have bet this they'd be up 27 7 right now you know yeah <laughs> but yeah it's just you know i'll have games where like i'll be laying 12 with them they'll be up 19 with a minute and a half to go and somehow not cover um, you know and then i had gonzaga in the national title and they just you know just didn't miss so yeah, yeah baylor's baylor's tough i i have I kind of just skip over their games anymore. I have the same problem with your Philadelphia Eagles. I can't get a read on them. They're the they're the hardest team to read. Every every team in the NFC East, I just can't. I yeah. I'm always on the wrong side, no matter which side I'm on. Well, the Eagles are are they were a weird team. You know, they yeah. did a lot of things that they shouldn't do that they should have done, or, or vice versa. And yeah, they were hard to read. Sirianni, I don't think was particularly good at times this year. Then they started getting really good towards the end, and you had games where Gardner Minshew play well or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, we all have those teams, but I think as a gambler, you have to be willing to forgive and forget. You know, there'll be teams that'll, you know, you'll like, for instance, uh, the other night, I think it was last night, you know, Miami beat Virginia Tech on a buzzer beater off the yeah. backboard, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people probably say, like, I'm never a bit Virginia Tech again, but it's like, well, when you really look at it and say, like, the kid got lucky, made a nice, yeah. You know, it's like you can't you can't run away from money because of some randomness, you know. So yeah. Speaking of the Eagles, is Jalen Hurts the guy for Philadelphia? Do you fully believe in Jalen Hurts, or do you think they should trade high? Well, in my head, would I do anything this year? No, I think mm-hmm. he earned another year. Surely, is he the long term answer at quarterback? Well, when I look at the last four quarterbacks left, it's like he ain't nowhere near that. But if yeah. we can get him to the point where he's, you know, just a really solid quarterback, like I'm trying to think of like some like decent quarterback that's been around a while, like Jimmy G. <laughs> no, like even not even that, like Matt Ryan. Like if he was Matt Ryan, yeah. like I'd be okay with that. Like he was, and remember in this city. We have not, and since I've been alive, we have had only a few really high-level quarterbacks. And we could argue they, like Donovan McNabb was a good quarterback, but he mm-hmm. wasn't like a Hall of Famer. You know, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Nick Foles is a backup. Carson yeah. Wentz didn't work out here. So we haven't ever had that star quarterback. And that's why in this town, a lot of people are talking about, let's go make a run at Aaron Rodgers. Let's make a run at you know, Russell Wilson or whoever. And it's like, look, if you can make Aaron Rodgers happen, of course I want that. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying, I'm going to Miami. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish yeah. out my career in, in the nice weather like Tom Brady did. But I think the Eagles ultimately will not take a quarterback. I don't think they'll get a quarterback either. I think they were really interested in Deshaun Watson. I think if they could have got a clean bill of health on his behavior off the field, I think – I think they would have did that, but this quarterback class, I don't think they're going to do much with. And if Jalen doesn't play well and they're a high level, uh, you know, draft pick next year, then I think you take a quarterback down. But I don't think with three picks in the first round, you have a lot of needs. Remember, Brandon Brooks just retired. They're all pro guard. Kelsey's about to retire. They're center. They have big needs on defense. So. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they do it unless they can get Rodgers, which I'd give up two picks for him. Sure. Yeah. It'd really help a lot. If you had Justin Jefferson right now, huh? Well, you know, that's the thing. 
Just, I'm if, just fucking with you. <laughs> no, but, but the question, the, the truth is, yeah, if they'd have taken Devontae Smith this year, because then you have both of them. But yeah, they yeah. failed miserably at receiver. I actually wrote a blog <laughs> about that when I was at Barstool. You could find yeah. it on Google. And I, I highlighted their last, you know, 15 wide receiver picks, and it was shocking how bad it was. Really? So, yeah, it's that's what it is, though. While we're on Philly sports, just real quick, I'm a huge NBA guy. Just real quick, what's your opinion on the Sixers, the whole Ben Simmons situation sitting out, they're not going to trade him. Now there's rumors swirling. What do you think about that? You know, you mentioned uh, we were going to talk about this, and I, I, I mean, they're they're crushing the, the Lakers tonight. But, you know, to be fair, guys, and I, I mean the whole truth here, nothing but the truth, I have not watched a minute of their games this year. I, I've told myself until they – I think they've really grabbed their fans and said – you know, they grabbed them by the balls and said, you're not going nowhere. You're going to watch this crap and you're going to like it. And I'm just not going to do it. I don't, they've been completely <laughs> pulled around on a leash by Ben Simmons. I'm not going to, I'm not going to support it. I'm not going to go watch it. Um, yeah. And when Ben is gone, I think he's been the most disgraceful athlete in the history of this city. Um, but again, if I ran this team, I wouldn't have taken it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, he had issues coming out of college and, you know, I'm just um, I'm just done. I I I need him out of here. I don't think they're gonna do much until after the season. That's a so. huge piece too that you're missing out on. Like this is one of it, like we mentioned earlier, Embiid's MVP, one of the front runners this year, and it's like they're wasting it. They're wasting it. Right. Yep. They're wasting good years of a star. Right. They're sixth in the East with him and on their team. I guess I'll say this: There's been talk though that Atlanta's had some interest in a trade for with John Collins, Bogdanovich, and maybe Gallinari. I'd do that in a second. That's a good haul because I feel like the Sixers management's like, oh, we're going to get James Harden or well, they want, for Ben Simmons. The, the Sixers want to get rid of Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. And Atlanta mm-hmm. says, we don't want – we're not interested in Harris. Yeah. Because remember, he's like a huge contract. That was everybody's going everybody's to want Tybal with Ben Simmons, I feel like. Matisse Tybal. I wouldn't care. See you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they need scores. They need talent. But, yeah, you're wasting a year again, another year. And this is yeah. the honest issue that I have with them. And this is why if you go back four or five years, I've been saying the same thing, and I've been right every year. First it was Brett Brown. Then it was this. Then it was that. Now it's the same problem. Ben Simmons is the problem. What are you going to do about it? He's still here. You're still letting yeah. him walk you around on a leash. That's exactly – and you know what he basically said? Bafangul, go fuck yourself. I'm good. Yeah, he's he's still getting. He's got he's got bread. Mm. Yeah, I don't, he don't care. The, their best chance to win was that year with Jimmy Butler, and they lost the Kawhi in Game Seven. That yeah, was their they, best chance. And, and what they do there? Got rid of uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, who? that was ridiculous. Thanks. That was ridiculous. They yeah. should. You know what they should have did? I remember. I was still doing. Um, this was like three years ago. I remember I was doing this show with Blackjack Fletcher, of all people. We were doing this, like, show we did on Blog Talk Radio. And someone called in and said, would you trade Ben Simmons straight up for Kawhi Leonard? Because this is when he was at San Antonio. And I knew they had pop there. And yeah, I said, no one wanted to do that. They're like, we don't know if Kawhi is going to resign. We can't do that. Ben Simmons is an extra Magic Johnson. I said, get rid of him. Kawhi Leonard will come here. Even if it's just for a year, he'll win a title. They didn't do it's it. It's worth it. That one year is worth it. Right. They didn't do it. Kawhi goes to the Toronto Raptors. They win the title. And look where we are with Ben Simmons. The foresight that they just didn't have. Yeah, that's rough. Crazy. 
All right. Anything else, Connor? Uh, that's about all I had. I just really want to get your take on the 76ers. That was funny. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Make sure to check out his Patreon and the Sit Down Mafia podcast. Do you have a college basketball podcast back? Have you gotten a big I'm man I'm still on- working through it. I Listen, I do a show every day with a, with a uh, sports book. Uh, it's actually gaining a lot of popularity. I retweet it every day. It's super – keeps you super busy, all the other stuff I'm doing. And, guys, to be real honest, and, and I'm just – being fair here. Like I'm at the point in my career where this is my job. Content's my job. And it's hard for me to do something that I'm not getting paid for. Time is money for me right now. And and for me, look, well, that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I'm actually trying to find another avenue to get it out there. Um, Look, I contacted Dave. I I asked him, Hey, I'll come do this, you know, super cheap or even for free. I would just take the promotion from it that they can give me. Um, you know, I'm actually also trying to sell the sit down right now. So mm-hmm. I'll do something probably March 1st, end of the season. I'm just hoping it'll be somewhere else. We'll see where it will be, but I'll do something regardless. All right. We'll make sure to check him out on Twitter. Jeff, thanks again, always for coming on. Yeah, good, it's fun guys. And look, I want to tell you, you guys did a great job and Carter, you look great, man. Good for you. Wait, hey. you should talk sometime. Maybe on, maybe I'll bring you on one of my shows and we could just kind of talk about what we all did and. Because a lot of people ask me about what I did and how it worked. So, yeah, for sure. Good for you. That's great. Thank you, guys. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Connor and I are going to do a quick NBA recap show after we just talked to Jeff Nadu. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Let's talk about the Hornets. 158 points against the Pacers. We, we shot ice cold, and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened. What was it, 84 points, second half? Something like that? We could sit here for literally five to ten minutes and talk about all the records the Hornets broke last night, whether it be team records, like most points in the season, beat out the Grizzlies who had 151 earlier. Yeah, we had 87 points in the second half. That's insanity. Oubre explodes for 39 off the bench. Double-digit three-pointers once again. You could see it on my Twitter. I talked about it. Another double-digit three-pointer game for Kelly Oubre off the bench. I think the most underrated signing this offseason, easily. Absolutely. 14 to one to win six man of the year. I know Tyler Hero is easily the odds on favorite at minus 400 because it's kind of a rigged award for how much he plays. Yeah. 14 to one is a good play. And you can argue, like we talked about earlier, like Lou Williams did it, whatever. Tyler Hero is basically a starter. He plays 32 exactly. minutes a game. Ubre is a real six man. He's playing 24 ish. Yeah. Like some games he'll play upper 30s, but some games he'll play like 15 minutes. Exactly. So, but whatever. Do 14 we, to one's a good play. I mean, we talked about this. The Hornets are finally rolling. We, I mean, they continue to roll. They had a little two-game skid against the Raptors and Hawks. Raptors yeah. games are kind of unfair that they don't have fans. It's almost the opposite. You're like, because whenever you're like, you're excited to go into a te- opposing team's arena because they have fans. They're mad at you. You want to silence the crowd. When you go into a Raptors game, it's so depressing after you just played two years of basketball without fans, and you're still having to deal with that. And I guess Raptors players are probably getting used to it. It's a glorified scrimmage, especially for road teams. Like, the Raptors play there every home game. They're probably used to it by now. And the road, the road teams come in there. It's, it's unlike anything they've experienced in the season so far because every other arena has fans in it. Exactly. But, I mean, I still like the Hornets to finish in a real playoff spot in top six. I do, too. I think they can get that sixth spot. As long as they fend off the Sixers or the Celtics or somebody, somebody's got to drop out. The Celtics are eighth at 25 and 24. We're seventh at 27 yeah. and 22. So the Heat are first in the East at 31 and 17. From the Heat at one to the Hornets, there's only a four game difference, a four wins difference. Yeah. 
between one through seven. So this is all going to go back and forth. You could see the Hornets even fly all the way up to one at some point if we're lucky. Yeah, and so I have a question for you. If you had to choose one team out of that top six right now to drop out, who's the most likely to drop out so the Hornets can get that six spot? Who do you think? You have to say the Sixers. You have I to think say so the too. Sixers. Because, one, honestly, there hasn't been enough drama yet. There's always drama in Philadelphia. And I also, I like you mentioned it before in the previous episode that Embiid's playing less minutes and still putting up MVP numbers and stuff like that. Yep. I don't think this is ma- maintainable. I really do. I really think he's like, I hate to, w- I don't wish this on him or anything, but show me that you can play a full season until I can believe in you. And I really think the lack of talent that the Sixers have around him right now is going to catch up. He's tearing the league up with these 40, 50 point games. That won't last forever. He's going to cool off eventually to a certain degree. And then somebody else has to step up and nobody else has done that this year. Tobias Harris has been horrible for what he's getting paid. Seth Curry, inconsistent. Tyrese Maxey, decent. Like, that, the talent will shine through. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Hornets are rolling. Hopefully they keep rolling. They have a pretty decent schedule coming up. Lakers on national TV tomorrow night. So, be ready. We're going to get pooped on. LeBron load managed tonight just so we can beat my We're recording soon. this at, like, 940 Thursday night uh, Eastern time. Lakers are kind of getting destroyed by the Sixers. They're down, like, 14 right now, three minutes yeah. left in the fourth. LeBron always, 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 always dominates in Charlotte. I don't think he's had under a 30-point game in Charlotte. I don't think so either. It's unbelievable. Ever since I saw him play with that black face mask, I remember, they, I remember he absolutely destroyed us. Whatever. Um, but, yeah, let's move on. Hornets, solid. NBA All-Star starters came out. This was just news to me, like, right before we started. Yeah. And – if you look at them, the East, pretty, you know, pretty self-explanatory. DeMar DeRozan, unbelievable year from DeMar DeRozan. MVP came to that right there. Trey Young, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. No surprises there, obvious. The West, when you read this, you're going to be like, you're going you're gonna to take a step back and be, really? Steph Curry, LeBron James, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, you're thinking, okay, that's fine. Andrew Wiggins is an all-star starter when we were talking about it before the show, we didn't even think he might – there was a real chance he might not even make the All-Star game. I felt like he was on the fringe, but he got the Canada votes. Canada put on Maple Jordan. I mean, Canada had to vote out of their minds to get him in that game. And the thing is, I think Andrew Wiggins is having a breakout year for sure, no doubt, and the Warriors are one of the best teams in the league. But All-Star starter material, like I know team success is a large part of it, but you got to look at individual numbers at some point. He is very efficient this year, but still – I don't good know. for him though, because after yeah. those t- that time in Minnesota, good for he him. Screwed. That just shows how good the Warriors are and the type of like I hate using these cliche terms like culture and stuff. Yeah, yeah, system culture. But I mean, the culture is definitely real in Golden State. I mean, the um, I like, even like Bielitsa <clears throat> is a solid player. Gary Payton the second. We mention this every week mm-hmm. about whenever we talk about the Warriors. Yep, exactly. And plus, just back on the Andrew Wiggins real quick. We couldn't really think of somebody in the West front court to replace him. Like we were going over it in our heads. There's nobody that jumps out that would should replace him as a front court starter, which is kind of crazy. I mean, Anthony Davis, no. If yeah. Paul George was healthy, it would have been him. Yeah, Paul George was still playing, it'd been him. I mean, obviously Kawhi played this year. He would have been in there. Zion, if he was playing this year, that's another candidate. Nobody on the Timberwolves. No, Draymond Green has been out of the lineup. Hadn't been crazy good this year. Poor Zingas, no. That's about it, honestly. 
I thought they might like rig a little something to put Luca there. Say Luca's a three. Yeah, they can, but, they can't do that though. He's definitely a point guard. Exactly. So, but good for Andrew Wiggins, I guess. I, it's pretty surprising. We we're and then we had this debate before the show started. Is Lamella Ball going to make the All Star game? Our thing with this was, or well, this is what I said. I said two out of these three players are going to make the team. It's going to be Darius Garland, Fred Van Fleet, and Lamella Ball. Two of those players are going to make it. And I think with the Cavs is currently being third in the East, Darius Garland has to get in. And as a Hornets fan, a little bit of bias, sure. I think Lamelo has to get in over Fred Van Fleet. I think Lamelo easily gets in over uh, Fred Van Fleet. Miserable name to say when you're doing a podcast. Uh, I think Lamelo Ball definitely gets in. I mean, Lamelo Ball is probably selling them what top three jersey sales in the league this year. He's got to be up there. He's top everywhere you go. I'm here in Idaho. I go to Utah. I come back to North Carolina. I go to New York City. I've gone down to Florida. You see Lamelo Ball jerseys everywhere. And even around, like, the North Carolina area right now where I am, because in the years prior, like, you don't see a lot of people with Hornets gear. This no, year, more than ever, I've seen Hornets that jackets, got a goodwill, jerseys. Yeah, they got their Goodwill orange Charlotte Bobcats Emeka Okafor jersey. Like, people are proud to rep the Hornets again. It's crazy. They don't want the NASCAR Bobcats Josh McRobbins yeah. jerseys. It's no more put the brown paper bag over your head. It's it's time. <laughs> 7 and 59, never forget. Um, oh, man. But, yeah, it has to be Lamel. Also, his name is going to get him in. We always talk about, like, when, how Carolina is a bubble team this year. If Carolina yep. is a little below the bubble, they're going to get in with their name. I think Lamelo Ball is the same way, even though Fred Van Fleet's having an unbelievable season. But I think Darius Garland should be a shoe-in. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that statement 100%. There's always injury replacements and stuff, so, like, there's a good chance Van Fleet will eventually make it. But I think Lamelo needs to get, on, get in on, like, the actual voting, like the actual bench, not as a replacement. Yeah, but since last week, since we recorded, not much has really changed, especially in the West. It's kind of locked in how it's going to be the rest of the season, it feels like. feels like the Suns will finish first, Warriors second. Grizzlies, Jazz, Mavs might switch up a little bit. The Nuggets, depending on who they get back healthy or whatnot. Timberwolves mm-hmm. are going to be a play-in team. Uh, yep. Lakers, Lakers are the only team I could see that maybe gets on a nice run after the All-Star break. Russell Westbrook like, finds a step maybe. But maybe they're a dumpster fire. They are. They are. They need to do something different because right now they're in that playing tournament. Sure, they could probably piece it together and win the playing tournament. They're going to get smoked in the first round against one of those top two, three teams in the West. Yeah, you just never want to go against LeBron in the playoffs. That is true. That's so scary. Like, imagine being Memphis and playing the whole season <laughs> and just dominating, exceeding expectations, and then you come to the, the first jazz. round and it's LeBron. Like, like, let's say the Jazz just like go on their weird runs where you you're kind of watching league pass here and there. You're watching your team. All of a sudden, you're like, the Jazz are on a 10-game win streak? Like, I have not watched a single game. And they're suddenly second in the West, and they have to play against the Lakers. I would take the Lakers any time against the Jazz. But the thing is, we said the same thing last year when the Lakers were in the playing tournament and won. That's And well, then it didn't yeah, work out. But Phoenix, I feel like Phoenix was a little different. I guess. I, I don't, don't know. know. We had this same conversation. Who on the Jazz is guarding LeBron James? See, with who they start, it's going to be Bogdanovich or Joe Royce Ingles. O'Neal. It'll probably be Royce O'Neal is who it would be. And, and that's just – yeah. I, I, I like I – know, I would hope the Lakers would be a huge underdog in that series. I, I, I feel like if Vegas made that right now, the Jazz-Lakers in a series, I think the Jazz would be like minus 140, Lakers plus 120. I think it would be that close. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's how it'll be. Because, you know, it's LeBron James at the end of the day. You've seen what he's done in the playoffs. You can't really – 
Like he's never going to be that big of an underdog. You saw what he did in 18 with the Cavs. Predicting anything in the East right now is just a crapshoot. Well, everything from oh my gosh, I mean, everything just, from one to like twelve. Like, we talked about this like three minutes ago. Everything from one through seven is a four game difference. Like you one through say, twelve, there's only eight game difference. Yeah, that's insane. It, like you could say Atlanta. Like Atlanta goes on a nice like eight to ten game winning streak. They're right back in it. Yeah, and I'm I would be scared of Atlanta. The teams I'm not scared of, though, honestly, I'm not scared of the Raptors, even though they beat us the other night. I'm not scared Wizards. of the Wizards either, and I'm nope. not scared of the Knicks. And honestly, I'm not scared Celtics. of the Celtics either. Nope. I agree. Any, really, any team behind us besides the Hawks are, and kind of the Pacers, if they're healthy, Pacers yeah. are tanking, though, thank goodness. I don't think the Pacers are going to make the playing tournament, which is good for us because we beat them. We swept them in the regular season, but it just seems like they have our number in the playing tournament. Yeah, other than that, though, there's no teams that really scare me for the Hornets, at least. They'll tank for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, not much has really changed in the NBA. Not any big storylines besides, like, the all-star stuff and the Hornets scoring 158 some, points yeah. in a basketball game. There's some trade rumors, you know. Somebody said James Harden for Ben Simmons. That came back up. Like, apparently James Harden wants James out of Brooklyn. Hard, yeah, James Harden wanted out of Brooklyn. That's interesting. Let's talk about that for one second, and then we'll yeah. bounce out of here. Where should James Harden go if he does leave Brooklyn? Because it, is there a good fit anywhere? I mean, if you're looking to play with star power again and a team that has decent pieces around you, Philadelphia is not the worst spot in the world. I, I feel, feel like, like him he wants and, to get him back and, with Daryl Morey, Joel Embiid. Him, I don't, and, him and Embiid could work well together. I don't. I think so too, but you have to get rid of Ben Simmons. And maybe that's their play this year. Maybe they're just thinking, you know what? We keep holding on to Ben Simmons. We finally get a trade, and then mm-hmm. we know Harden's coming in. Maybe the whole time Daryl Morey knew, like, Harden's going to come in after the season with the Nets. The thing is, if things smooth over in Brooklyn, though, like if Kyrie, that whole situation gets figured out and Durant's injury, he comes back okay, and you're Harden, like how, how do you leave that? Especially if they don't win this year. Like I feel like that's unfinished business again, like left over from last year because he was injured in the playoffs. But does he but, get old not being the number one guy? Maybe earlier in his career, but I feel like he had his time as the number one guy in Houston for years. And, and I think he might, he, he might be at a point now where he's okay with not. I don't know. He seems like he's enjoying himself. What about Russell Westbrook? Do you think he's okay being the fifth guy in the Lakers? See, no, I don't think that'll end up working out because I feel like people, him being on the Lakers, like so much scrutiny, so much increased spotlight. I don't think he's like, I don't think he likes that kind of scrutiny and criticism on a night in, night out basis. I don't know. Yeah, but all right. Uh, anything else? I think that's about all I got. Um, go Hornets. Going to beat the Lakers tomorrow on national TV. Yeah, we uh, you'll be hearing this Friday morning slash afternoon-ish. Make sure to check out the YouTube page, CarterCast. Like, subscribe to all the videos. Follow us on TikTok at CarterCast. Follow us on Twitter at Connor underscore Sparrow and at CarterB8. And CarterCast.com will be live very, very, very soon. Super excited about that. We'll have articles. We'll have clips. We'll have all the episodes on there. It is We're fantastic. Doing it. It's doing coming it out. It's going to be awesome. Make sure to check that out, cartercast.com, just how it's spelled. And we will see y'all Tuesday or Monday. We'll let you know. Bye.